Welcome to Modern Marketing Messages, the leading podcast discussing the latest and greatest in both online and offline marketing tactics, strategies, and trends. I'm Mariah Kalaji, and let's go ahead and keep the AmericanEagle.com forum vault open and jump right into discussing how to create user and buyer personas and how to optimize your customer journeys to increase conversions. So today we're talking about uh, creating personas, user personas, and user journeys as well. My name is Brad Skeen. I'm a senior technical strategist here with AmericanEagle.com. Been with the company a little over 10 years in total. Um, started with the company back in 2006, and I had a couple of year stint uh, where I was uh, CTO of a middle-sized company. So a lot of experience throughout my career, um, ranging everywhere from low-end bug fixer when I first started my career over 20 years ago to CTO of that company, and now I'm working with the strategy department where I get to work on enterprise architecture quite a bit and a lot of uh, digital strategy work. So that's a much younger and more flattering and clean picture of me up there. If you don't like what you see, don't look toward the right corner of the room. So just real quickly, what we're going to go over today, we'll do a brief on why we want to do personas in the first place as well as user journeys. And we're going to talk mostly about the process and what's involved with it. And this is, please feel free to make this interactive. If you have questions as you go along, something I say doesn't make sense to you or you'd like me to elaborate more, just uh, speak up. We're happy to make this more of an interactive uh, experience for you. And then I'll talk a little bit about recommended strategies here at the end. So why should we use personas? Obviously very important for us to know our audience. We want to be able to sell somebody using effective messaging, something that's going to resonate with your user. So you want to make sure you understand what different types of buyers that might be uh, interested in your service, in your product, or in your information. We want to understand what motivates them to get engaged with you in the first place and throughout the process. And then ultimately, that helps us to understand what we should be measuring. So when we put our website together, we can put those key performance indicators in place, start collecting the right data so we know how to make tweaks so in the future, all of our decisions can be driven by data. So why should we do user journeys? We really want to understand what all the touch points are for your customers throughout their experience with your brand, from the moment they're introduced to your brand all the way through, hopefully, to the point where they become an ambassador for your brand. So this goes beyond your digital channel, obviously. We are exploring here every touch point, whether it be a billboard, uh, snail mail, email, etc., to make sure that we're not just focusing on the website and those users. We want to understand holistically what uh, your customers are doing with your company and where they come to know you. And then we want to differentiate what that experience might be for different customer types. So if you have a different, you know, drastically, di drastically different personas, you want to make sure that you're accommodating for those different folks. It helps you become more attuned to their thoughts and emotions. So you'll see in this experience, we're going to be talking quite a bit about what those users might be thinking or feeling throughout the process. It makes you more empathetic as a seller, and it really does help the, the process of bringing somebody into engagement with your company. This helps you be more succinct. Um, with your messaging, you're going to be more effective. You'll be more relevant with the information, the data that you put in front of your customers, ultimately a better buy buying experience overall. So again, this is holistic. We're looking to involve all of the people within your company, all of the departments and roles within your company that would be associated with customer selling. So your marketing team, your communications people, your IT people. We don't want to work in a vacuum here. Bring in your leadership, and especially if you can, bring in your customer base. A lot of, uh, a lot of businesses resist reaching out to the customer. Um, this is one of those places where the customer can really help to guide your direction in your business. So talking through the process, at a very high level, what we do here at AmericanEagle.com is start with a foundation. We have to make sure that we understand what we're doing, why we're doing it, what are you looking to achieve. 
So I'll walk through a little bit of what we do here from a foundational standpoint. Well, then we go into a research phase, get as much information as we can. If you have available data, we want to collect that. If we have an opportunity to get access to your customers, we want to make sure that we're talking directly with your customer base, bringing all that information together, aggregating it, and seeing what we can find in insights from your research. And then we go into a stage, excuse me, <clears throat> where we ideate. And we want to be brainstorming, hopefully again, with your customers, but a cross-section of all of your roles within your organization and with your strategists to try to figure out what is actually happening with your users, what are the ways that they're engaging with you. And then we're going to sketch that journey out so we've got a really clear mapping so that when we build our tools and we look at the different channels and how they're going to hit these customers, that we're doing something that's going to be highly appropriate and very effective. So in that foundation step, what we do is we walk through your goals, your strategies, your objectives, and your tactics. Some of you probably already have this formalized. Some of you may have none of it formalized. In many cases, this is something that uh, leadership has in mind, and they may not have articulated across the staff. They might not even have it down on paper yet. We want to make sure that we do formalize these different ideas and concepts early on in the process so that we stay on the same page and we've got a nice basis for our overall project. At a high level, at this point, we want to understand your audience. So who are the type of people you're targeting, and who is it that you feel is going to be on the outside and not somebody you would be going after from a marketing standpoint? And then we want to talk about your conversions. Obviously important to your digital world, but throughout any sale that you might make, what are those macro conversions, those things that bring you income or ROI? And what are the micro conversions, which might be steps toward a macro conversion, or they might be opportunities to um, expand your lead base, etc. Once we in get into the research phase, we want to understand your touch points. So all of the channels, all of the interactions that your customer might have with you. Again, going beyond digital, and I'm not going to read the entire list to you here, but obviously there's different points that might come up. We want to make sure we're, that we're brainstorming together, working with your team and collaborating to see where all of those touch points are going to be that we're going to hit with a customer. Some of these might only be touched by a handful of personas, and others might be important across the whole gamut. Uh, you might have an in-store experience that might come into play. That might not be appropriate, depending on your service or your product. Uh, trade shows might be a touch point, et cetera. So some of these are going to be very specific and custom to your needs. Once we understand those touch points, then we want to start talking about customer empathy. Excuse me. <clears throat> so how does a user think and how do they feel throughout the, the process? Each time that they hit one of your touch points, are they happy? Are they excited? Are they confused? Are they frustrated? All of these emotional arcs that, that occur are very realistic and where we want to be able to say, yes, as soon as somebody engages with the company, they're happy and they stay happy with us forever, the reality is much different and we want to be able to empathize so that we are properly, properly messaging to your customer base during those points that might have a little more friction, they might be a little more difficult, that might cause some angst or anxiety. Then we want to set up and define your buyer personas. So looking across analytics from the research phase, all of this is guided from the research taking the demographics, understanding what the interests are of those different folks, and being able to separate out if you have some dichotomy or, or different personas, we want to see how different they are. In a lot of cases, you might have different demographics that ultimately you end up marketing to the same way because the important touch points stay the same, the important interests stay the same, etc. In other cases, those demographic changes might drastically change the direction you go. And we'll do an example here that kind of shows that off in a, in a really um, over-the-top way here. And then also you can do some research into ambassadors. Do you guys all understand what a brand ambassador is? Okay, I see some nods and I see some not. So ultimately, <clears throat> excuse me, I'm kind of dealing with a head cold here. Um, your brand ambassadors are those folks that are really promoting your company 
whether it be on social media or elsewhere. And the folks that are, you're not paying them to promote, but they're doing a great job of referral for your business. And in some cases, maybe you are paying them for, to promote, but those ones that, uh, that you can really research heavily are largely on social media. This is one of the places we turn to social media and we can find a lot of information, whether it's for your company or your competitors. See those folks that are following and that are promoting, that are hashtagging your company or your competitors. What sort of people are they? What are the interests that they're showing that they have? And what are the engagements that they have through social media? You can bring some of that information back into your overall when you're doing your research and then put that together as part of what you're targeting in your buyer personas. And then we also want to understand when we're doing this research, the difference between traffic and targets. And what I mean by that is a lot of times we'll get into a media buy situation where we're driving a lot of traffic that's unsuccessful to a website. And we want to understand why it's not successful and change around the, the persona that we're going after. So if we're marketing to a specific audience that our product or our service or our company or our brand doesn't resonate with that audience, we need to change that media buy right away. So always be, be looking at who's a really good target audience as opposed to who's just creating traffic and ultimately bringing down your conversion rate. Then we go into a brainstorming phase. And again, this is where we want to make sure that we include all the different roles from your company and your customer base. The first thing we want to do is lay out what are the steps in the process. So in defining the user process, here's an example of a user process here. We go through an awareness phase where we first get introduced to the brand and we're trying to understand what that brand's all about. And then we're going to do some research typically to understand what that brand can do for me or if they have the need that I need filled. Then there's a consideration, hopefully a purchase. Maybe there's a delivery, in some cases even an installation step, ownership and then retention. So this is kind of based on a product being provided in this particular case. But we would sketch out what that, what that journey looks like in the steps to start with. And then again, diving into emotions. So let's tie emotions to each one of those steps. When I become aware of the company, maybe I'm hopeful. Maybe this is what I've been looking for, right? So they've got that up feeling in the beginning. And then when they get into research, this can be a confusing time. It can be an anxious time. It can be a time that causes you to, to falter a little bit on whether or not you should stay hopeful. If your research phase is a really highly effective and your journey's great, maybe that continues to keep the emotion high. When you go into consideration, there might be some anxiety involved in there. So again, this is just examples. In the purchase phase, folks usually get excited. And then with, with delivery, perhaps even relieved. This, this product actually showed up. I didn't know if it would or if it was exactly what I wanted. I can be relieved and excited about that. Ownership, hopefully, is something to be happy about, and retention would be a proud moment. So some examples of emotions that might come into play for each step of the way here. And how do we come to consensus or an understanding of what a user journey should look like for a given persona? Well, we use a card sorting exercise, and what we're going to do, what we would do there is validate what we assume or what we put together as the steps. We're going to put each one of those steps onto a card. All the emotions that we thought were correct during each step of that, we're also going to put into cards for each persona. And those cards are going to be mixed up and given to a cross-section of different groups. Now, that, that each group should have members of your team that are involved with the different roles within your organization. So have somebody from leadership, marketing, communications, IT, and customers in each one of those groups. So make sure that everybody's being representative and you've got stakeholders from all the different departments. If you come back together after doing this sort exercise and your steps look the same, there's a lot of consistency, then your process is pretty well defined. And if you have the same emotions being assumed across, the different uh, across these different groups, then you're probably on the right track and it's, you're ready to start to implement. 
If they're vastly different, then you might need to go back into research and try to explore why it is that we, we found that there's this really vast amount of information or, or understanding about what our customers think or do during our process and make sure that that, gets that goes throughout the entire group and you start to either educate your team on the steps or further understand where your data might have been wrong. And then ultimately, if you're close, hopefully that's developing a good dialogue so that as a team you can brainstorm and collaborate on ways to make this the best possible experience for each given persona. Then we go into sketching the journey. So basically we take what we've learned and we put some lanes into a template. So each template, each page here would represent one persona. You put your steps across in a linear format and then the different channels that are being touched within those steps, most likely for this persona, what actions are taking place, so getting a little more granular within each step, what might be occurring during that step, and then arc your emotion with a diagram here to indicate if this is a positive or negative experience throughout the journey for your customer. Adding actions for each step, again, here's where we're getting granular. So during the awareness phase, what are the different touch points and what am I doing? Um, same thing for each step of the way. And then this affinity diagram is the thoughts and feelings would be added in here that go with the emotional arc of whether we're having a positive or negative experience as we go through the journey. So we're going to do a fictional example here to kind of um, bring some, some clarity to what this would be like in an actual model. Uh, we put together a company here called Basic Coffee. The idea here is that this coffee has uh, no acid whatsoever. And it's this great new uh, you know, a group of chemists that got together that like coffee and came up with this company. Ultimately, it's fictional, obviously. And if there's any, um, if there's any parallel to an actual company out there, that would be uh, completely you know, not, not real. I just made this up. So that would be, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Someone help me. Coincidental, that's the one. I know there's a disclaimer, and it's stuck in the back of my head somewhere. Thank you very much. Yeah, it's purely coincidence, right? So basic coffee has just come out on the market, and we've done, we've done our research phase as well as our foundational phase. And we want to now get into where we're starting to identify our personas, put together what those personas would be doing as far as a journey goes. So we have some fictional personas here. And in this case, um, there might be some similarity to people that I actually know but in, uh, in the real world, but they are not people I work with. So here on, on the left side, you guys see Carl the curmudgeon. He is a daily coffee drinker. 80% of this demographic is male, between 60 and 75 years old, typically. He's interested in the outdoors. He likes to hunt. He likes to fish. He's concerned when it comes to coffee with the cost, first and foremost, and that it's consistent. So he likes the taste that he likes, and it better not change. The channels that uh, he would engage with, typically, when he's having coffee, would be with friends. Um, possibly he would go to a store. Um, and in some cases, he's drinking coffee at the restaurant. So at the grocery store, he buys his coffee. He t tends to make his own. On the right here, we have Kathy the caffeinated. She's 78% female, middle age, around 30 to 45 years old. She's interested in social media, pets, community, and politics. And with her coffee, she's interested in having a good interaction and great service when she, when she buys her coffee. Um, she is interested in it tasting perfect or delicious. And status is an important thing for her. The channels that she's engaged with would be friends, of course. Uh, she might see signs as she's driving for the, the local coffee shop, and then social media posts. So you can see that these are, I, I purposely created these uh, as an abstract that is very, uh, very much a dichotomy, right? You've got very, very different personas here, 
and we still have an opportunity to make life customers out of either one of these. So when we start at the very highest level with the user journey, we want to think about what happens at the time of purchase. And then, what, then we can start to expand to what occurred before that brought us to that point and what will happen after. So I sketched together some steps here. An awareness step where you first are introduced to the brand. Maybe it's a sign, maybe it's a social media post, etc. cetera. Uh, the consideration phase where we have to think about, is this something I'm going to engage with or am I just going to stick with what I've always done when it comes to drinking coffee? This is obviously a market where there's a lot of competition, so we better be effective in those steps. The purchase, and then ultimately consumption. What is the effect of that? Hopefully a little bit of caffeination. And then retention. How do we get this person to continue to buy coffee from us on a regular basis? Then we take that consideration of that journey across both of our personas. So we'll start with Carl. During the awareness phase, he heard about us on an ad that we played on the AM radio. And then he talked to his buddy Fred about us. He said, can you believe there's another coffee company? And Fred said, yeah, actually, I tried them. They're pretty good. I don't know why Fred went away there. In the case of Kathy, she was on social media, and she noticed some of the posts coming from some of her friends are uh, presenting this new brand of coffee. She also saw, saw a uh, sign on her way to work. Now we're in the consideration phase. This is where Carl probably sees the product in the grocery store, and now we've got to start to compare the prices and um, whether or not this would be a good idea versus what he's been doing his whole life. In the case of Kathy, she's going to go straight to the Internet. I'm going to check out the main website. I'm going to look on social media. I'm going to check out reviews on wealth. And I'm going to talk to a whole bunch of my caffeinated friends about this new coffee company, see if anybody's tried them out yet. Carl's going to make his purchase right there in the grocery store. Kathy's probably going to hit the drive-thru or the local drive-up or the local uh, shop. Carl's going to make his first cup of coffee at home. If he likes it, fill up the thermos, take it fishing. Kathy's probably going to consume that beverage on her way to work, scalding hot right out of the drive-thru. The effect. Now, if the effect was positive, Carl's probably going to talk to his friend Fred about it. Hey, you were right. Kathy, on the other hand, is going to go right to her phone, hopefully not while she's still driving. And she's going to hit social media to post her selfies with her coffee. She's going to hit Yelp so she can give her own review, and then she's going to talk to all her caffeinated friends about how wonderful this was. Then she's also going to hopefully hit the main website and give a review there. So retention for Carl, pretty simple. He's back to the grocery store. When he runs out of coffee, buy some more. And he might even stop by the shop and give it a try, see what kind of people walk in that place. When it comes to Kathy, she's probably going to hit the drive through again. She's probably going to want to hit the shop. And she might download the app so she can become part of the loyalty program and try everything that they possibly have, right? So I've already kind of talked through the actions that happen per persona as we went through that. I'm going to go ahead and just bring these out on the slide so you folks can see them. But this one, I talk about actions getting more granular. This is the type of exercise you want to go through. You'd be creating these cards and seeing if you can identify. And then in the card sorting exercise, if you come to the same points on what folks are doing during different steps of the process, which of these steps and which of these channels really resonate with the different personas. Now it's the fun part. We start talking about thoughts and emotions. So for Carl, we want to map out what this grumpy old man is thinking and doing, uh, and feeling, rather, as he's going through this process. So in awareness phase, when he's introduced to the brand, his first thought might be, coffee is coffee. Do we really need another coffee company, right? So he's skeptical. Hopefully, because of the way that we bring brand awareness to him with our basic coffee things, maybe this will be easier on my stomach. And if we got a good review from his buddy Fred, then that might help out quite a bit. So maybe there's a little bit of a hopefulness that comes into his consideration phase. When he does buy it, he's probably thinking, this is going to taste like mud, 
right? And he might not even use the word mud. And he's probably thinking this won't work. So at this point, a little doubtful, maybe a lot doubtful. But hopefully at that point of consumption, he's going to be surprised. Hey, this tastes good. But we're still going to have some caution there. Probably not going to work. I'm still going to get heartburn by this afternoon, right? And then the effect doesn't get heartburn. This actually works. Now Carl's happy. Doesn't he look happy? I don't think Carl ever changes his mood. So for retention, he might be thinking, hey, Brad could use this because he gets heartburn too. So I'm going to call him up and take him over to the local shop and I'll use the BOGO and he can pay for the coffee. So he might be a little encouraged there. Walking through the process for Kathy, she's saying, hey, new, new options for coffee, count me in, right? This is something to be excited about. And then when she's considering it, this may be an evil corporation that's designed to put my regular coffee company out of business. So I better do my due diligence on this, right? So a little cynical here. And then during the purchase phase, she's probably thinking something along the lines of, can they make a five-shot shaken on ice, no ice, with 22 pumps of syrup, sub-brevet, add whip, caramel drizzle, double cup, double sleeve, no cup. Is that how you guys order yours? You guys don't know my wife. Okay, and that ultimately then she's probably feeling a little anxious. She might even be confused because what the heck is an extra large anyway, right? We don't even call them by those names anymore. And then with consumption, hopefully really, really good response from her, right? We're excited. We're getting caffeinated. This is working. We're flabbergasted. Effect all together. Maybe she made it to work without pulling over, and that was a new thing. So she's excited about that. Or she had such a great experience in the drive-thru that she's looking to invite the barista to the next book club meeting. So now we're energized. And her thought might be during retention, I need to try more of what they make. You know, I, I tried the one coffee drink. Let's see what else they can do for me. Or if they hit sell tchotchkes or cups or mugs or anything like that. So now she's motivated, and we've got an opportunity to capture that. So obviously, this is, world, like I said, kind of blown out of proportion to try to show you the difference between these very different uh, personas and how you might really need a different approach marketing-wise, website-wise, all the channels in order to accommodate these two. And then we go ahead and diagram the emotional arc. And one of the interesting things about this, as you, as you draw the line here to see, you, you always want to start at, at medium, whatever that persona is, even though Carl's probably at a low every day when he starts in the morning because he's grumpy. Uh, we want to start him at a medium and then change the arc based on what mood is hitting. And he, he goes through a really rough patch here in the beginning as he's approaching something new because Carl is probably a persona that has a very set routine. So for us, our real opportunity comes in at the point where we've hit him in the effect, right? So if this coffee worked and it didn't give him heartburn, that's where we've captured that customer. And that arc shows that pretty clearly. In the case of Kathy, um, she's pretty, pretty excited right in the beginning. So fairly easy for us to market that early step and get her into what we're doing here. But ultimately, we probably don't capture her as a, as a long-time customer until we get to the consumption phase. And hopefully that's where we have a great experience for her. We take all of this information, add it into the template. So now you have a blueprint for each one of your personas. You take that blueprint into uh, your marketing efforts, your IT efforts, and make sure that you take a DevOps approach to a team that can use that information to use the right messaging and make sure you hone your words so that you are effective. So when it comes to recommended strategies, a lot of these are, uh, oops, wrong button here. Here we go. A lot of these are standard best practices, so we'll just kind of go down this list to make sure you guys can check off the box. If you can't, this is something to focus on right away. First off is involve your customers in this process. You'll be that much closer to the perfect experience in the beginning to getting this project right the first time if you involve them in the process. Um, Cross-segment that customer base as best you can. 
take their information and use it as part of your data and your research. Um, have SEO landing pages. This is important because you want to understand that on your website, in that channel, people might get inserted into the process at a different step, any given step. So you want to make sure you're accommodating to somebody that did their searching and their research elsewhere, and they're coming into your website at a point where they're either ready to purchase or maybe they're still in some other consideration phase. So make sure that if you have, um, if you have SEO landing pages that you also use message matching, that whatever ad or call to action is bringing a user into the website, the message that's in that ad is repeated on the site page they land on. Please don't send them to your homepage unless it's a very general advertisement that didn't cost you very much money at all. You want to make sure that you are using landing page optimization and your, your, message, your message is matching the, uh, the advertisement that brought the user there. Your calls to action should be clear. They should be verb-oriented. Please don't use the word submit. Ultimately, we want to make sure that you're driving an actual motivating step for the user. So consider a purchase or um, take the next step toward buying. Whatever the case might be, you want your messaging to be appropriate, and then the button itself should also have some action to it. Uh, as much as you can have a clear and concise path to conversion, you want to make sure you cut out any extra steps. Let's not meander. Don't have them weave through a lot of research that they don't really need to do. I understand it's important to have that extra detail for the diggers that really need it, but make sure that when you put your design art hierarchy together, it's buried to where only the diggers are the ones that are finding it. It's very important to have limited fields and forms if you're trying to capture any information. This is very basic stuff I know, but uh, it's still important for us to remember the basics. So if you have 20 different fields for someone to put into a form, your conversion rate's going to be awful compared to if you can limit that down to two or three. A smart search could be very important for you overall. Um, especially when you're talking about personas that are as different as the example that we gave, we may need to find a way to allow people to filter into or use some guided navigation. Smart search also can bring in machine learning so that based on the first few clicks that I have on your website, the website itself starts to understand what it needs to present to you next. So personalization comes into that as well. Um, having intuitive navigation is very important and obvious uh, so that people can walk into your journey and start in the right path right away. Visual hierarchy, we touched on already. No dead ends. Does anybody know what I mean by that? I'm sorry? Keep the buying cycle going. Keep the buying cycle going. Very good. Thank you. So when you get to the end of a conversion path, that's not the end of the website experience. Please give that user an opportunity to continue to engage with you. If you get to the end of a research path, and I've seen this done, where you've just given me all the information to help me make my decision, and there's nowhere to go, uh, that's, a, that, that's a really bad error to have. Make sure that you're cycling people back into the conversion funnel. If they need to go off and do some research to find out specifics about your product or service, that's fine. Always give them a way back in that's very obvious so that once they do have that click in their head, I'm ready to buy, you've got the button there for them. And then what comes out of this is more of a customized experience, some of the examples of things that might be strategies that we would employ. Um, obviously, we want to make sure we hone your content and your messaging specific to the persona and user journey that is going to be effective. Guided navigation, I mentioned before, it can be very, very effective. Um, even within landing pages, uh, when people are coming to the site, you may have ways that people need to be able to filter further to find their specific product or need. If I'm doing a search for um, a car, and I start my search very generally, and that's where I come into your site, then I need to be able to very quickly get to the point where I'm saying, am I looking for a sedan or a truck or a minivan, those sort of things. 
The um, recommendations and suggestions works for a lot of different products, sometimes even for services. And again, a nice way to make sure that you have conversion cycling. So if somebody's off doing some research on a page, it would bring some recommendations in that are appropriate and associated with that particular page's content, bring people back into a conversion cycle. In some cases, if you have a more complex product that is customizable, configurator tools can be very effective. Um, they can even bring in some gamification where you can kind of play around with uh, a configuration, let's say, of like a playset or, or something like that. Personalization, we mentioned, uh, is, is very important and, and something that comes into play and is appropriate for quite a few. In some cases, there might be a need for a macro or a micro conversion when it comes to um, lead capture. And we have clients where that is the macro conversion of their website. They're not actually selling any product or service directly. There's a human interaction that has to take place. We want to make sure that we really hone down and understand the right way to capture that lead. And ultimately, if it should be a stepped phased approach so that we capture a lead at one level to make sure that we have something we can work with to add to our database, and we take them into another step where we might get more demographic information that will give us a more qualified lead. Excuse me. So you get a more qualified lead without presenting them with that long form that we talked about before. You're asking them more questions, you're getting more input, but you're letting them step through the process. If they fall out of the funnel, you've still captured something. In some cases, live chat is, is the right way to go and something that's absolutely necessary. Again, in a, point where, in a case where human interaction might be very necessary even to help make the decision for the sale. And then there's a lot of things that we can do uh, with mobile apps as well that would not be available through a website where that channel could be brought in to interact more directly, whether that be with beacons, um, using things like augmented reality, uh, a lot of interesting technologies that we can start to tap into. We can be a little bit more proactive in our marketing through an app with um, notifications, pushing, and stuff like that. So getting started, if uh, any of the following things in this list are true for you, take a look through your list. And I add in there you attended this session because something brought you in this room, right? Bounce rates, conversion rates, something there not right, uh, reach out to your strategist so we can explore options. It might not be this full-blown process. It might be some portion of it, or it might be something that goes well beyond this. We can customize to your needs to make sure that we accommodate your user base. But this is a really great approach to bring a, a user-centric focus to what you're doing throughout your channels, and then to be able to take that to your digital channel and ensure that we're very effective. Understanding your customer personas can really help to drive conversions. Thanks to our experts for sharing all of that great insight. Looking forward to another engaging episode coming soon. This podcast is brought to you by AmericanEagle.com Studios.